this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And it's Thursday and you're doing okay. We're getting through the week. How are you? We're getting there. We're getting there. It's... When you guys hear this, so we're recording this on Monday. Mm-hmm. When you guys hear this, Evie will be two years old. Two years old? I can't even. I mean, I kind of can. Like, I think a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, my kid, like, yeah. how did the time fly? But this last year has gone by so, so slowly slow. that I'm almost surprised that she's only two. Yeah. You're like, you feel like you should be 18 by now. <laughs> right. It feels from like all the time that we've done in 2020. We've spent so much time together that you could be at least five. I always, on her birthday, have to reminisce about the text thread the night that you're like, I think I'm like, I'm, I think I'm having some right, contractions. I'm like I'm not sure I'm just like I'm just like texting you guys this is around seven o'clock so it was like me and Jess and yeah you're being so nonchalant about it because you're like I oh, just you know it's not no big deal and then you called your midwife and she's like yeah you need to send miles to your yeah. mom's house ASAP and then the, I literally woke up to a picture of a baby and I was like <laughs> what happened <laughs> and I was like so like that sleepy like blurry vision and yeah, I like, looked at my phone and I just no. like I was like is that a baby <laughs> It was I so know. crazy. She just like showed up. She I know. She just showed up. Just out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it was quick. I was in labor first. So I'll just take a quick little jog down memory lane. Mm-hmm. A short, small, slow jog. I was in labor with Miles for like three days. And so, I mean, I was literally in labor with Miles for like almost 40 hours. And so when I started having going on labor with Evie, it was like, oh, I was only having contractions, but I was like, this is going to be, we're going to be here all night. Yeah. And then she was born, I started having contractions at like five or six o'clock and then she was born at 11. Yeah, it's crazy. So it was crazy. I didn't love it. I, you know, it was a lot. It was intense to go from zero to 60 so quickly. Oh yeah. I remember you were like, I, I like screamed. Just a yeah. The next guys. day my voice, <laughs> like my throat was so sore. And I was like, why is my throat sore? And Brandon was like, it's probably from the screaming. And I was like, oh, forgot about the screaming. It's like <laughs> just, heavy like, metal screaming. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, like, it sure. wasn't like, you know, bloody murder screaming. Like, it was definitely yeah, like heavy like, metal screaming. Like, <laughs> and uh, I remember reading something that was talking about like, you know, controlling your breath and all that stuff. And I was like, nah, no, if you have the wherewithal in an unmedicated labor or labor at all, period, if you have the wherewithal while you're trying to get a baby out of your body to control anything about your breath or voice, like, no power to you. I did not possess Uh -uh. that. I was not in my body. At one point, Evie was like, so, you know, she was going to get born right now. Yeah. And I didn't even like lift my leg up. And my my midwife was like, I'm just going to hold your leg up. And I, later on, she was like saying something about, that, about it. And I was like, oh, I don't think I was in my body for that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I wasn't there for that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. All my friends who've had kids have told me something similar where they're like, or one of my best friends is like, yeah, the second I started having contractions, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this naturally. Like, please yeah. give me <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. Okay. So for those of you who, who are not familiar, I had, you know, like a full, like, hospital labor epidural with miles he was in the NICU we did the whole thing and then with Evie I had a home birth and there's a lot of reasons I won't go into at this moment but yeah like halfway through even just like after a couple hours of contractions with Evie I was like this was a bad decision (laughs) I I made a big mistake I want the drugs (laughs) (laughs) made a big mistake made a big mistake uh no no it was fine I think everyone who like 
has done both probably thinks that and like no shame whatsoever around getting the epidural because I don't think ever to this day in my life nor probably ever again will I feel the just like I could have married the anesthesiologist I have never felt such an amazing sense of relief as I did when I got the epidural was it a guy or a girl it was a guy he was bald and I remember specifically because at the time they were like okay like I had been in labor at that point for close to 30 hours and I was at a, like not even one centimeter and I was like, I need the drugs. Like I can't keep doing this. I remember when my midwife checked me, she was like, okay, you know, because I had kind of said before, with, like I was like, I don't want to get checked a lot. So she was checking me and she was like, you know, what are you, how are you feeling? And I was like, if I'm not at at, at least like a six or a seven, I don't think I, you know, like I, what I did I say? I said, if I'm not, if you don't think I'm going to be pushing within the next hour, then I need an epidural. And she was like, so you're at like a one <laughs> and I just started sobbing. Oh, I was like, yes. go get the, go get the drug man. Oh, so, <laughs> where is the man where with is drugs? the man with the drugs? And so they were like, okay, well, if you're about to get up a drill, you should try to go to the bathroom. So I went in and tried to go to the bathroom and the guy came in as I was in the bathroom. And if you're in like active labor, going pee is like kind of a process because it like the, when you sit on the toilet, like anyway, it's just painful. It was painful. Mm-hmm. And he came in and I, so I had been in the bath. So it got, it had gotten to the point where Miles was like stuck in a bad position. So I couldn't sit down to pee because his head was like resting right on my pelvic bone or like his spine was right. on Anyway. So I just stood in the bathtub of the hospital room and just peed. Because yeah. I couldn't sit on the toilet. So I was just yeah. standing there just peeing. Mm-hmm. Bless everyone who was in that room and was like, yes, Claire, this is the choice. Do yeah, it. for sure. <laughs> no everyone. One. Yes, that yeah. is the choice. Bless my doula who was just like holding my hand while I was just standing up and just peeing all over myself. And like that was plan A. Plan A was just to pee all over myself. <laughs> This is labor, guys. And uh, I heard the anesthesiologist come in, but he didn't see me because I was in the bathroom. And he was like, is she still in here? Like, does she still need the epidural? And I was like, yes. 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 I'm and from it was here. Like, right at seven in the morning. So I knew I was like, if he leaves this room, like shift change is going to happen. And it's going to be an hour or more before I can get someone back in here. I was like, don't let him leave. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but no, that was all with Miles. With Evie, it was crazy fast. And I, to the point where I I often think her birthday is the 11th, but it's actually the 10th because like I already had it, had had it in my brain. They're like, oh, she's gonna be born tomorrow to 11. Great. Right. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway, happy second birthday to Evie. Happy second birthday. She is two going on 16. When you were talking about anesthesiologists, the reason I asked if it was a guy or girl was I feel like in my experience from, well, the very few surgeries that I've had, Mm -hmm. they're always very hot. And totally. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, he was not unattractive. I mean, at that moment, that wasn't like really my focus, but. Sure. And when I had, I had two ear surgeries uh, when I was in grad school and the first one, I was just like, oh my gosh, they're so dreamy. And then like, when you wake up, you're just like in a stupor. And I remember waking up and having to pee so bad. I mean, this was like a four hour surgery. Mm-hmm. So it's like holding your bladder for four hours. And I woke up and the nurse was like, you know, giving me water and ice chips or whatever. And I was like, I have to pee so bad. <laughs> and she gives me a bedpan. And I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing. You're like, I am peeing in this bowl right here. <laughs> And not a second later, the anesthesiologist uh-huh, walks up to me and is like, how are you? And I'm like, your metal bowl. Just, 
I'm just in my bed peeing as he's talking to me. And I was like, this is me at like 23, 24. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like super hot guy. High levels of self-awareness, self-consciousness. And I was so embarrassed. And he's like, how are you? I'm like, good. (laughs) They're always so hot. Yes. Remember that time we talked about hot optometrists? Totally. And it's like, they're right by your face. And you're like, oh my. (laughs) And they're like, one or two. And you're like, all I see is a 10. Uh, oh my gosh and he tries so hard i mean every time i try to be cool i'm yeah, not cool. no it makes it the, I'm just the harder like, you try the worse it is the yeah. worse it is i'm like no, that's I'm a known like, rule about being cool that the harder you try the worse it yeah is. i recently had i mean guys this is like i'm married it's not a big deal but i was at a like oh god last fall i was at a an appointment for like an ear follow-up and the it's a new doctor because i haven't seen an ear an ent forever and i was like i need, I need to go check get checked, make sure everything's going okay. I have like prosthetics in my ears. So in my, my left ear, so I'm like checking things out and he walks in and, and he had a mask on, but of course I'm just like, Hi. like <laughs> trying to be cool. And I wasn't cool. And I'm like, just doesn't matter how old you are. You will never be cool around hot doctors. Just so won't. true. You just won't. won't. I would love to hear people's stories. If you guys want to write in and tell us your stories about waking up from anesthesia, though, that made me think of that. I feel like everyone, like either they have it or their like dad has it. Like I, when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, it was the first time that I had ever been put under. And I don't remember this at all, but I apparently like demanded my teeth. I was like, I want my teeth. Oh yeah. I remember we had this conversation. Yeah. Remember I was like escorted in the back because I had blood all over my shirt. (laughs) And when I came back from my checkup, they like handed me my teeth in a bag and I was like, I don't want these. They're like, you really did. No, you really here. did. <laughs> that's so- I was like, oh, that's weird. And then like Brandon's dad is famous for one time he got a surgery and they wheeled him out and he had like all this tubing in his lap and everyone was like, what is that? And they were like, he demanded that like this was his tubing. He had paid for it and he was going to take it home. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I bet you nurses have a lot of stories. Too. Oh my like, gosh! Dish it, so dish many. it up. Dish it up. It could be anonymous. Just dish. Yes, we want to hear all of tell it. Tell us the silliest thing. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you want these teeth? No, yeah. I do not. Yeah, they are like. Well, you you really did. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said when I was high on anesthesia. Oh my gosh! That's really good. <laughs> okay, so this week we are going to continue our just random randomness as always i say that as if that's new as if we have i know i'm like that's not new that's just really the gist of the show years (laughs) so we are going to talk a little bit this week about hitting the wall because i feel like i posted about this on instagram stories last week and there have been a lot of walls in the past year i look back on this time last year and i think like man the the thing i was most freaked out by when like we first went into lockdown was i was like miles has never like, I don't know. I can't find stuff for Miles to do every day for two weeks. Right. right. What am I going to do with him for two weeks? Now it's yeah. like, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Go watch Like another month. Street. We're good. And I was thinking the other day, and I know I've said this before, that like we used to try to limit him to one movie a week. <laughs> one movie a week. Now I'm like, if it's fewer than two per day, that feels like a win. <laughs> and I like don't count like Sesame Street and Storybots. I'm like, you're learning. This yeah, is education. Totally. Totally. I'm learning. I learned stuff from Storybots. It's yeah. What do you learn? <laughs> um, I learned wh- how the wastewater treatment plant works. I didn't know. I learned mm-hmm. that from Storybots. You know what? I loved those educational yeah. segments in, uh, in Sesame Street. 
anyone out there who remembers the milk one where you see the milk bottles and you can see like the milk production. I love crap like that. All of those Sesame Street episodes, all like literally 45 seasons are on HBO. Amazing. And they did that for freaking parents and I love them for it. We send Miles to school and he's like, mom, I don't need to go to school. I already learned this all on Sesame Street. I'm like, well, that's time to me. Sesame Street is free. (laughs) However, Sesame Street. We do that with college too. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, okay, where's like the particle physics Sesame Street? Where's the like how to do your taxes Sesame Street? That's what we need. Who's really making do. like a like an adult set? That would be a great podcast. I need like an adult Sesame Street where somebody comes along and is like, the letter of the day is W two. <laughs> Today's number is ten ninety nine. <laughs> That would be. Let's figure out who to get on the podcast. Please, and do someone, that. someone is to, out there. There let's is call Doug. Some, Where's Doug? Doug. Okay, we'll Doug's call our Doug. podcast friend who actually yeah. like makes real fun podcasts. Anyway, he really he makes real podcasts. The the letter of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is I-9. Anyway, so I felt like last week in a in a year of walls, I hit another wall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were some personal components to it, but I just feel like a lot of other people felt that way too. And I don't know if it's like as we kind of come around the horn of doing this for an entire year or, you know, we're kind of like, it's really, really, really super cold and snowy in a lot of parts of the country right now, which make things just feel that much more difficult because you were really stuck inside. You can't even like get out for your walk. You know, last year, a big snowstorm felt like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like we get to right. stay inside. And oh, I was like, so cute. Snow I will day. punch my husband if he yeah. asks me anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. I know. One more word. If he breathes in the same room as me, I will punch <laughs> that, him. That reminds room. me of a marriage hack. Don't let me forget it. Okay. Have well, I told so, the no more questions thing? Uh-uh. I don't okay. think so. So that was the other part of this is like, okay, let's also talk about some marriage hacks because pandemic marriage hacks are a whole different ballgame and we haven't talked about them recently. But can I can I just make a point too about the wall? Because um, I want to also validate this. There was a Huff Post article. The title was, it's not just you. A lot of us are hitting a pandemic wall right now. Mm-hmm. And this was posted on February 4th, 2021. And it just kind of goes through what we were just talking about. But I want to point out something very important that it says the pandemic has overactivated our stress system. And I know that's kind of stating the obvious, but I just want everyone to physically think about that and how, you know, from my personal experience, I was so stressed out by the fall of this year. I think it just accumulated throughout the year with work and mm-hmm. whatever. And so it just distressed the pandemic. And I really let whether it's right or wrong, I let the administration stress me out. Mm-hmm. Um, the past, I like to say, administration. And so when you are in, your body doesn't recognize good stress or bad stress. Your, doesn't, your body doesn't recognize like, oh, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm jogging. I'm doing something with, that's really happy for me. They don't, it, your body doesn't recognize if it's just like, oh, this is good stress. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is bad stress. So if you're, if you're relaxed, that's fine. But if you're stressed about something, your body is in that constant fight or flight mode. So I think that if we think about that through the past year of how much we've just been like waking up to what's next, especially with previous president, the most recent previous president, I woke up every day being like, what now? Mm -hmm. And then being really scared about the election and yada, yada. So I truly think stress had a huge, played a huge part in, in my, my diagnosis. But I think overall, hitting the wall, whether or not you just have like a health issue or just are freaking over this, is to think about how that has just overacted your, overactivated your stress system. 
And I used to, um, I took a training once with this guy who I'll, I'll never forget this. And I'm very simple. I'm very much simplifying it. But he presented about compassion fatigue. And if you're in any type of helping profession, you, you're probably familiar with what that is. It's very similar to kind of secondary type of trauma, mm-hmm. where if you're in a field that really just causes you to be a helper all the time, that just can really burn you out. Um, so they talk about how to help your body not absorb that stress by relaxing your body. And mm-hmm. he went through this exercise that basically, I'm totally dumbing it down, but it's basically kind of like doing a Kegel and then releasing. Mm-hmm. So it's like making sure that your like your pelvic muscles aren't tense mm-hmm. and just like constantly making sure, because he's like, that will put you into fight or flight. So he's like making sure that when you're breathing, you're relaxing your pelvic floor. And I thought that was just such a good reminder because it's like, it's like a very tangible way to connect to your body mm-hmm. and be like, okay, am I holding? Or like if you're gritting your teeth, if you're clenching your jaw, like checking oh, yeah. in with those physical symptoms to make sure that you're not clenching your fist, you're not tightening. Right, sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, fire, yeah. yeah, sometimes I'll be sitting at work and I'll just notice that I'm like either scrunching my shoulders or like something is flexed. So mm-hmm. that kind of goes into what we were just talking about. Like just even those little things contribute to an already stressful year. Everything has been upended over the past, whatever, 12, 24, 12 months. And I just encourage everyone to, I'll link the article in our show notes, but um, one of the quotes says, we're at more risk of burnout because of the circumstances and because of the fact that we're continually re-traumatized and reactivating that that cortisol spike. Mm -hmm. So it's uncertainty, it's, you know, stress, it's when is this going to end? It's not knowing when it's going to end. And I think when we were six months into this, we were reading articles like this and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, but now it's like go time. We really need to make sure that we're at least just checking in with those small things to make, you know, to take one less thing off your body. Yeah. And I feel like there is so much to be said for like, you know how when you go on vacation, you get sick, not you, but like, you know, when like you just run, 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 run. And then the second you put your guard down, you get like, you know, you get a cold or whatever. Totally. I almost feel that way with the vaccine coming out where it was sort of like, okay, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And I kind of felt that way in like December and January. And then coming into February, it kind of hit, even though I knew and had read and been told that like, this isn't going to change anything in the near term. I kind of heard that and it went in or not the other because I didn't want that to be the case. You know, I wanted Mm -hmm. so badly for this to be like, we're there. We made it. You know, and I felt that way a lot when Brandon got vaccinated as I was like, we made it. And then to, you know, be six weeks out from Brandon being vaccinated and still be like, our life hasn't changed at all. And that is the way it should be. That's how we knew it was going to go. But just like the reality of that, I think I'm still sort of like was in disbelief that this was, you know, we still have months and months and months to go. And so it almost was like, I let my guard down for a minute in January. And then my body was like, psych, like, you know, the second you let your guard down, that you lose that momentum. I just have felt the last week that like everything just feels harder. And I also very much personally have a lot of comparative suffering as a mom because I see all these other women who are having to work from home with no childcare whatsoever. You know, they're juggling their kids online school and all stuff. And like, in reality, my work from home situation is when it comes to parenting could not be more ideal. Right. We have a live in nanny. I'm not worried about where she's going after she leaves the house. I'm not worried about her exposing the kids. She lives at our house. She takes care of the kids. If I have a meeting that starts early, she gets up early. If, you know, Brandon's call goes late, she's able to stay on a little bit later if we ask her to. Like, she's so flexible. So, you know, all of this is like, yeah, I've had it 
made in the shade when it comes to childcare. And I hate being home all the time. Right. My kids, you know, still come in and check in. I'm still sort of like half parenting a lot of the days. And they are as needy as ever because they don't see other kids really all that right. much. You know, right. I've mentioned Miles has this like very low key preschool that he goes to sometimes. Yeah. But but and you're so, like their main social interaction. I'm their main. And, like, and, I and don't your care, mom. Yeah. Right. And I don't care how much, like how good you are at Legos. You can't play with a kid the way other kids can play with them. And they right. don't get the same out of it. And so I've had to just like really try to remind myself like, you know, yes, you could have had it worse. Everyone, you know, there are a lot of people out there who've, who have had it way worse than you. But that doesn't mean that it's been easy. And that doesn't mean that it's been ideal. And that doesn't mean that like, you know, the thing that I hate about all about any of this and we, is like when anyone's like, well, you signed up for this. It's like no one on this planet signed up for this. I don't care Who's what saying your job you is. signed up for this? Well, yeah, like a lot of people have said like, well, you know, parents, like especially moms are like, well, if you didn't want to, if you didn't want to have to do this and you shouldn't have, been, have had kids. Who's like, does that you know people in comment sections or this is the same no. thing like with brandon where people are like well you know the brandon is comments, like yeah. working you know like when i was like well i'm worried that brandon's gonna get COVID at work and they're like well he's a nurse like you know he should have known that when he took this job those types of comments where you're like no one on this planet signed up to be a part of this pandemic no one saw this coming no one knew when they made any previous life decision that this was going to happen i don't even care if you're like an epidemiologist who specializes in you know, respiratory pandemics, like even you did not sign up for this. So here's the other thing too, is we are not set up for success for any of these no. professions. So nurses, doctors have quit. Unfortunately, you hear horrible horrible stories about people passing away by suicide because they're so overwhelmed because the system isn't, wasn't, isn't, or maybe still isn't supporting them. Mm -hmm. Um, and by that, I just mean supplies and like staff asking people to work two days in a row. I don't think they have been supported in a way that no. makes this job sustainable on top of an already really stressful situation being like, Hey, we're going to pay for your time off. If you have to take time off or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, we're going to pay for your kid's childcare right now. Like whatever, whatever it is. Same with mothers. Like mm -hmm. the system is not set up to support mothers in a pandemic for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Like don't even get me started. But yeah, it's like, so for the assholes out there that are like, well, you signed up for this. It's like, yeah, no, the system is so unsupportive of all these professions that are in the eye of the storm it's like ugh, go home trolls go home trolls and i think that we all like most people you know really acknowledge that and know that about everyone else around them that like there's things have been uniquely hard for different people for different reasons and i can honor that other people you know the other moms have are having to start their you know third grade science project while they're on a meeting with their boss and i am really lucky to have you know be able to safely work from home have flexible bosses who understand like like, hey, I got to go pick my kid up. They themselves have kids that they're going to go pick up, you know, all of the above while still acknowledging that, like, I don't want to be home. I don't I'm glad that I can work from home, but I don't want to be here. I right. want to be at work. I want to be in an office with other people. And, you know, yeah, my kids are young enough that I don't have to worry about their school. But like that also means I got to find other stuff for them to do all day. Exactly. So, you know, it's just the grass is always greener. But I think that like comparative suffering thing really caught up with me this past week where I start because I started to feel worse than I have recently. My brain immediately was like, yeah, but, you know, it could be worse. And it's like, F you brain. Yeah. Why do you think we comparatively suffer? Why do you Because think I think we're taught to do that. I thought we're I think we're taught to always say like, well, you know, at least you're still alive. And it's like, <laughs> 
okay, true, I guess. But like, how but many did you times, die? But did you die? <laughs> exactly, right? Like that's the, ref- I mean, that's the joke, but it's kind of not the joke. And I think that like, we just have been, we talked about this last week around not knowing how to process difficult emotions or not knowing how to process cognitive dissonance or not knowing how to process being wrong. Right. I think that also, you know, we as a society have not really ever been like modeled very good processing skills or validating skills. I don't think we've had validating skills modeled that somebody comes to you and says, man, I'm having a crappy day. And you say, wow, that sounds hard. I hate crappy days. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Instead, you say, oh, you're having a crappy day? Well, my I got a flat tire and ran out of gas and a bird pooped on my head. You know, and they're like, okay, well, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess a bird didn't poop on my head. So, and, and like, what's the balance between having perspective to realize like, yes, things could be worse. I'm grateful for what I have while not also invalidating your feelings. Yeah, exactly. The mm-hmm. first thing with it we always go to is, well, at least, at least you. Right. I shouldn't say we all, but that's a very common response of trying to cheer people up instead of being like, dang, that just sucks. That just sucks. You know what? I recently, who was I talking to? Oh, so after JT retired, I had a really hard couple of days. Like it was just really emotional for me. I, you know, I was emotional at work because everyone's shared such beautiful stories and I was crying all day. And then the next day I didn't anticipate it being so hard. Mm -hmm. But when I got to work, just him not being there, it kind of hit me that he had retired. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like really teary that morning. And one of my coworkers was just checking in on me. And I'm like, I'm just, I didn't think it was going to hit me this hard. I was just so dang teary. And she's like, yeah, being a human is hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's the most perfect response. I'm like, Michelle, that's the most simple and brief and accurate response I think I've ever heard. <laughs> totally. Like, also, I work with therapists. They always know what to say. But she's like, yeah, being a human is really hard. <laughs> I know. Well, and I like, I mean, as you know, I got some, we got some not so great health news about someone in my family earlier yeah. last week. And that hit me a lot harder than I expected it to. And I was talking to my friend, Heather. Hi, Heather, who we now talk about all the time because she's like my only other friend that I see. Hey, Heather. And, hey, Heather. Let's go on a hike. And, <laughs> and she was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know why this is hitting me so hard. And she was like, don't feel bad about it hitting you hard. I cried for an hour because a cat I didn't even know died. And, you know, that to me was just like, okay, like we're all in it right now. Like all of yeah. us, like things that are sad are feeling a lot sadder. Things that are hard are feeling a lot harder. Yeah. And I need to just like cope with that. So let's frame, let's talk about marriages during pandemic as well, because I feel like that's also something that for the past, you know, maybe the holidays felt like at least a little bit of a break from your routine that you either got to fight a new fight for a month or, you know, were distracted to not be fighting or whatever. But I feel like it's been such a hard year for so many reasons to be at home with somebody who, you know, not that you don't love your spouse, but you didn't also sign up to be at home with them 24 seven, 365 either. Yeah. So we both, both of us listened recently to that Brene Brown episode where she had the Gottmans on. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with the Gottmans, they are basically marriage researchers or relationship researchers. Yeah, they're very well known in the psychology world for couples therapy. Right. And so like they, you know, if you've ever heard like the four horsemen of the apocalypse for for divorces and mm-hmm. the, the, the not movie, the book Eight Dates or the book, you know, they have all these different books. They have tons of books. They've been around, I mean, forever. When I was in grad school, we learned about the Gottmans. Like anything that we talk about with couples therapy, the Gottmans are kind of at the heart of it. They have an amazing story about how they did some research with this is like 
so cool. But they had a research lab where they would have couples live in this apartment where people could observe them. And obviously, this is like a study that they're agreeing to do. So it's not like they're spying on them, but they're setting up this apartment where they would observe couples overnight, Mm -hmm. and how they interacted and what they said to each other. And oftentimes, they would like get in fights. And I'm sure they were coached to be like, try to be as normal as possible. Like, don't do anything. Don't right. Try to don't perfect. like pretend like you're like, under the don't pretend like That'd do be everything. So hard. Oh, so hard. But um, so what they found was what they call the four horsemen of the apocalypse that with 99% accuracy, they could predict if they saw one of these four characteristics behaviors. in a couple behaviors, they could predict with 99%, I think it's like 96 or 99, like some insane accuracy, right. whether or not that couple would stay together. Within like three so, years too, right? Yeah. Not like... 30 right. years down the road. It's like whether like or not in, in three years. Without fail. There. If they yeah. saw this, it was like. Without intervention. So. Right. And so anyway, Brene Brown had these two people on their, on her podcast last week. And it's a great episode if you want to listen to it. But it really touches on the whole premise or not the whole premise, but a huge premise of the episode is like it's been a really, really hard year for couples and for marriages yeah. and for romantic relationships. And, you know, what can we do? So that got me to thinking about, you know, a lot of, I mean, we're all, people are always asking us for marriage hacks. So, you know, on the more lighthearted side, I don't really have any new marriage hacks, but I will say one thing that felt very validating for me when I listened to that episode was them kind of talking about like the using eye language and asking for positives instead of pointing the finger and then speaking a negative. So saying like, I'm upset. Like the example she's in the podcast episode is like, I'm upset because you didn't clean the kitchen or I'm upset because the kitchen is dirty. Will you please clean it? So it's like, I'm upset. Here's tangible why. Here's what I need from you so that you can, you know, be the star of the show and fix this problem for me. And I'm not, I'm upset because you didn't clean the kitchen. I'm upset because the kitchen is dirty. Will you please clean it? And like giving the action, right? What can we do instead of just being angry? What can we do to fix it? Like, what do I need from you? As opposed to like, you're a slob, right? You never clean the kitchen. Don't ever leave your dirty, your dirty dishes on the table again. Right, right. You know, like, like that's a personal attack, right? It's a personal attack. Now you've made it about them. Now you've made like, don't ever do this again. And like, even though you may feel that way, (laughs) I think that one thing I took away from that was feeling like, okay, like we do that. We say like, I, we use I statements. We try to ask for things in the positive. We try to like make it about the situation and not about the person. But I think that a big thing in the past couple of weeks that has been helpful for us is really checking in and not making assumptions about really anything anyone's going to do. And I think that's a reflection of feeling, everyone feeling so tapped out that it's hard to have unspoken expectations about someone and it's hard to feel like there are unspoken expectations being made of you. And so being like awkwardly upfront of like, okay, every single little thing. And it drives Brandon crazy because at the end of the night, I'll lay in bed and I like go through the next day in my head to the point where it'll be like 10, 30 at night. And I'm like, hey, Brandon, did you defrost the pork chops for tomorrow? Every night I think about like, okay, do we have everything we need for like, like a food You're tomorrow? like planning ahead for tomorrow. Yeah. And he's like, and he's gotten used to it. But at first he'd be like, why are you asking me this? And I was like, because like, I need to know that like what we're going to have for dinner tomorrow night before I fall asleep. But that has, is, is really helpful because then I feel like a lot of our fights were starting from me being like, well, you didn't do X, Y, Z and him being like, well, you didn't ask me to. And me thinking like, well, why shouldn't I have to ask you? You should Yeah, it's do like it. the mind reader phenomenon. Yes. Where it truly, that is such a, and that's very common with females tend to think that males should read their mind or know what they're thinking. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. And we can't read each other's minds and you have to really use your words, <laughs> which I think there's that fallacy. There's that fallacy that we see on 
social media and television over the years of the perfect couple and you just live in your house and it's like Lucy right. and <laughs> although even Lucy and Ricky had their tiffs Lucy and Ricky did have their tiffs but it's like that <laughs> is so not what we do and I've just right. been thinking that a lot about that lately because I saw like on Instagram today I just passed through someone getting engaged. It was like some movie star that got engaged. And it was like, oh, it's so cute. And you immediately have that reaction of like, oh my gosh, they must have like the perfect relationship. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of jump to that assumption that everything's perfect. I'm like, oh my gosh, nothing is perfect. Nobody has that quote unquote perfect relationship. But back to what you were saying about like, you know, marriage hacks and and how to work with your partner, especially during this time, definitely go listen to that Brene Brown episode with the Gottmans. And if you're not familiar with their work, one of my favorite books is The Seven Principles to a Highly Effective Marriage. You can get it on Amazon. I think it's it's just amazing because they have a lot of good questions in there that you can just start thinking about. It doesn't take a lot of brain space if you don't want it to. But everything they have, they have a great website. They have an institute like the Gottman Institute. You can get trained to be a Gottman couples therapist. I personally love doing couples therapy. I think it's just one of the best things you can do for a couple just to kind of figure out what makes them tick and how to get them on a better path. But on a funny note, when you were talking about like a five minutes ago, talking about like when someone's like, oh, you have it bad. Mm -hmm. You know, what about this? Scott does that sometimes and it drives me up the wall. Like the other day, I'll just give you a personal example. And I don't think you'd care that I share this, but (laughs) the other day he was talking about, he hit a wall, the pandemic wall. Like it was not even, it was, I think this is Claire before you mentioned that you were like, oh my God, I'm just like really hitting a wall. He, I came home and he's like, oh, I just like, I'm really hitting a wall. Every day feels like Groundhog Day. I do the same thing every day. And I like, I go to work in my office at home. I walk the dog, you know, like just kind of complaining, like he doesn't leave the house. <laughs> he's like, I'm just, and I think too, Scott's feeling a little bit like not left out, but just more scared because I have the vaccine. My parents are getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. His parents are getting the vaccine. So I feel like he's like, he and guys. I can, can chat about everybody we know being vaccinated and we aren't going to get vaccinated till like August. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, mm-hmm. guys, what about me? So I feel like he's just feeling it. And so he's like, oh, I just, I'm so frustrated. And I said, yeah, I totally get it. And he goes, I don't think you do. And I was like, can I just, I just blew up. I said, can I just like try to be, try to empathize and try to be nice? Like, why do you always have to do that? I know. I do that to Brandon though too, where I'm like, you don't get it. And some, and like, so what he has said, what I started saying and said is like, I don't understand what you're going through, right? but I can tell that's really hard, you know, yes. because he totally has said like, I, you know, like I get it. I get that it's like, hard. I'm like, you don't it. get it. This hard. You still get to leave yeah. the house. You still get to see people. And, and that's like, what he says to yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I mean, and I was like, got our like pals when it comes to this. <laughs> yeah, you totally are. And he, you're yeah. the same person. And the, the thing where I got mad was I'm like, you know what I mean? I, I'm like not right. trying to say I know exactly. But yeah, it was just one of those moments where I got so pissed. I'm like, I'm just trying to be nice. Like, And I feel stop. like it's so hard to when you're in that because like, you know, if if you weren't his wife, like he never would have turned that around on anyone else. Like it's that moment no. that like, I'm comfortable enough with you that I'm going to like throw this back in your face. If I had was saying that totally. even like to my mom, you know, she would be like, and she, I don't think would say that, but any other person, even you, you know, somebody, if they were like, I know how you feel. I'd be like, yeah, it's tough. You know, I wouldn't be like, no, you don't. But I, I do say that to Brandon. <laughs> but you have, <laughs> yes, but you like have to let that out somewhere because yes. you're just angry. You're and just it angry. feels invalidating too, to be like, yeah. no, like I'm describing a unique set of problems. I uniquely am hurt by this. I am in a uniquely terrible situation. Please acknowledge that I am the only one who feels pain and that it's worse than everyone else's pain. Like, Sometimes you just want someone else to be like, yeah, 
I don't know anyone else who has it as hard as you right now. And you're totally. like, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, I, the, I suffer I uniquely. <laughs> and like even, I mean, that sounds silly, but like, guys, think to yourself it's right validation. now. It's validation. If someone validation came to you too. and you were having a bad day and you explained to them what was going on and they said, yeah, you're right. I don't think I know anyone else who has it as hard as you today. How good that would feel actually. Oh, that actually. feels so good. You'd be like, that yeah. That feels so good. I feel like shit and I yeah. am validated. It, I am like I have a trophy waiting for you. I yeah. have the worst day award waiting for me when mm-hmm. I get back home in mm-hmm. the shape of a giant cookie. I was gonna say like a big bowl of ice cream, a, ca- and a, a cookie, pie. a cake. Yeah, you get the worst day award. But even though you would know, like yes, of course, other people again, other people <laughs> on this planet are always having it worse than you. And you know, we've even gone in the other direction and been like, okay, well, does that mean you can't be happy because other people have it better than you? Like, no, nobody thinks that. But we do it's think I can't compare. be sad. It's fine to compare, but it's it's like, but at the end of the day. You still got to have your feelings. And it would feel so good to have someone be like, yeah, you're having the hardest day of anyone I can think of right now. Yeah. I'm it's sending like, yeah, you tacos right thank now. Thank you. I am. Dang it. <sighs> um, <laughs> I feel like that wasn't so, so much like a marriage hack section no. as it was just like a marriage complaining section. <laughs> well, I have I have a couple more funny things I need to tell you because I, so I, I don't know if you remember this from my birthday party, like, I don't know, forever ago. When Michelle DeWitt oh, yes. um, uh-huh. bought me these little cards and then like everyone passed them around the table. They're yeah. just like, tarot cards. I don't know, tarot cards. And so I, every once in a while, I'll like pull it out and, you know, pick one. And I picked one and the card was nurture. And I was like, wonder if this is, a, this is like literally right before we were recording. And the, the little caption with it is like, the nurture Today, card. Today, just re- now you pulled it? Just like, okay, yeah, ten, like before mm-hmm. we recorded. The nurture card reminds you to tend the garden. Relationships must be nourished in order to thrive. I was like, oh my God, we're talking about relationships. Like, like, go away, tarot card. Yeah, I know. Is it count the abundant blessings of the relationships you have. Find ways to let other people know that you care for them and appreciate them. I thought that was really funny. I was like, oh my God, my tarot cards are totally predicting the topic. <laughs> Um, the other funny thing that I do, well, actually it's not funny, but this is something that Scott and I have just kind of like determined that when I say no more questions, like don't ask me any more questions. And when I'm at work all day, this is where it's hard too, because he wants to talk. He's like, I come home, he's been home all day. And especially now with the pandemic. So I think I'm trying to do a better job of talking to, well, we have conversations, but it's especially like when he's watching a basketball Mm -hmm. game and he wants to pause and show me like the player's outfits as they're walking in every five minutes. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. Okay, you get two more, you get two more rewinds, and then we can, like, let's call it a night. But those are the moments where I'm like, I'm full, like, I I can't handle any more interaction. And I have to, like, give him that sign. Otherwise, he gets really upset, where he's like, you don't want to talk to me? You know? It's like, it's not that I don't want to talk to you. I just don't want to talk. Yeah. Yeah, I don't exactly. rent that. I'm the Scott in this situation. Yeah. Next time that happens, just tell Scott to call me and we'll just, just talk. And I'll ask yeah. him if he took the pork chops out of the freezer yet. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, but Scott, what are we having for dinner tomorrow? Oh, that's so funny. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm going to read a quick uh, run through and I'll link this to you of the top seven ways to improve your marriage. This is from the Gottman Institute is to seek help early, which is hard, but it says the average couple waits six years before seeking help for relationship problems. So don't let it fester. I think the longer you wait, I think the harder it is to really work things out. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like it's a failure. A lot of people, I mean, I think it's healthy to go to counseling as a couple before you get married, but don't worry about judgment 
or that you're failing. Uh, edit yourself. The most successful couples are kind to each other. They avoid saying every critical thought when discussing touchy topics, and they will find ways to express their needs and concerns respectfully without criticizing or blaming their partner. Soften your startup. Arguments often start up because one partner escalates the conflict by making a critical or contempt- contemptuous remark. This is like me when I blew up, when I was like, ah, I'm just trying to be nice. Like I just blew up out of nowhere. Fair. Blew up out of nowhere. Accept influence from your partner. In studying heterosexual marriages, we found that a relationship succeeds to the extent that the husband can accept influence from his wife. For instance, a woman might say to her husband, do you have to work Thursday night? My mother's coming that weekend and I need your help getting ready. He replies, my plans are set and I'm not changing them. <laughs> As you might guess, this guy is in a shaky marriage. A husband's ability to be influenced by his wife rather than vice versa is crucial because research shows that women are already well-practiced at accepting influence from men. A true partnership only occurs when a husband can do the same thing. Does number four feel a little outdated to you? Not really. Really? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't in this context. Like, this is only a few years old. Mm-hmm. But I see what they're saying at the end is like, women are already the type of type of personality that we can accept influence from others. So it's, see, I it's feel like that say, role is reversed. I feel like the gender roles of that might not be accurate. I feel like those roles are reversed in my relationship. Like, in your relationship? Yeah, that's actually very true. But I think in general, I can see how I can see in general how one person in a relationship may be mm-hmm. more or less than the other person. So maybe so just, that, like, you know, it's just more as like person A versus person totally. or as exactly. Sandy would say like the alpha and the omega maybe right but i definitely i think that yeah anyway just wanted to call that out i feel like totally those, you know well i think the like from the study we can just sure, generalize sure. that yes, to right. accepting your partner and that a lot of these accepting influence. a lot of this information that was i mean a lot of their research took place in like the 80s and 90s too for right? sure yeah 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 and, and most of their research from what i can tell so far i think they may have done more research, more recent research with LGBTQ+, but um, some of the research that I've been reading is uh, um, just from their earlier studies. Um, have high standards, happy couples Happy couples have high standards for each other. Learn to repair and exit the argument. Uh, happy couples have learned how to exit an argument or how to repair the situation before an argument gets completely out of control. And seven, focus on positives. In a happy marriage while discussing problems, couples make at least five times as many positive statements to and about each other and their relationship as negative ones. Do you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse pulled up? Yeah, so it's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So criticizing your partner is different than offering critique or voicing a complaint. The latter two are about specific issues, whereas the former is an ad hominem attack. So the difference is complaint. I was scared when you were running late and didn't call me. I thought we had agreed we would do that for each other. Criticism. You never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe you're that forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. So can you see the difference between criticism and complaint? It's like, I was like, what, what your reaction was factually versus you're an idiot. And and like kind of what we talked about a second ago in like the kitchen situation of like, hey, the kitchen's dirty. You said you were going to clean it. Will you please clean it? As opposed Instead to... Instead of like, you, you're, so un, you're so inconsiderate. Yeah, you never clean anything. You're just a slob. Contempt. When we communicate in this, st- in this state, we are truly mean. We treat others with disrespect, mock them with sarcasm, ridicule, call them names, and mimic or use body language such as eye-rolling or scoffing. The target of contempt is made to feel despised and worthless. Contempt goes far beyond criticism. While criticism attacks your partner's character, contempt assumes a position of moral superiority over them. Here's the example. You're tired. Cry me a river. I've been with the kids all day. A bird pooped on my head. What happened to you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time to deal with you. Could you be any more pathetic? Oof. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, contempt. So again, you guys, these are the ones that they have in their labs been able to predict. Is the single greatest predictor of yep, divorce. Yeah, single yeah. greatest. Again, guys, this is all stuff you can hear and listen to and find in the Gottman stuff. Yep. We're just kind of running through it quickly. The, the yeah, third yeah. one is defensiveness, um, which is pretty straightforward. And then the fourth one is stonewalling. Which oh, is um, just not talking. usually a response to contempt. It occurs when the listener withdraws from the interaction, shuts down, simply stops responding to their partner. This is different from saying, I need a break. Can we right, reconvene no. in 10 minutes? This is just totally shutting, shutting down, not talking, mm-hmm. blocking them. Um, and the other thing that I want to call out, and I'll hopefully remember all these links, is Brene put a really cool graphic on her Instagram that kind of talks about the antidotes, the antidotes to these four horsemen. And particularly in the, in like a pandemic yes, world. Right. And also really acknowledging how hard it is for people right now that, you know, you're either doing really well in quarantine, like meaning you're, you're like, wow, you're actually not a bad quarantine partner. Right. Or you're like, like, those oh my are gosh. few and far between. Most people are like at each other's throats. The other um, piece to go back to feeling like we've hit a wall. The New York Times came out with something last week that was, uh, it was like called like working mothers let out a primal scream or something like that. Mm. And it was, there were some, uh, there was an accompanying piece to it where they interviewed some working from home moms with kids. And one of the quotes from it was none of the like, quote unquote, none of the activities I use to quote unquote, fill my cup are available to me anymore. And I think that's also a huge part of all of this, whether it's your marriage or whatever, is just mm-hmm. like that we're still on that train of like, you know, there's only so much baking I can do there's only Mm -hmm. so many like times you can hide in the bathroom there's only so many baths or face masks or whatever like and I know you know the bath and the face mask thing is like such a self-care kind of like whatever but when you're home it's kind of what you got and for me you know I always would say like oh yeah I love baking or whatever like there's only so much damn baking I I can do and then I still have to clean the kitchen like that's not fun so right yeah like I can't you know you can't go out with your friends and I feel like in the summer too it was easier when you could kind of do more stuff and right feel like you're still being safe but you're outside yeah and you could like window shopping or something yeah right yeah or you could go on a hike or you know you could at least like see your friends from the other side of like a trail I don't know so right all right can we end on a positive note yeah we were talking about my one of my new favorite podcasts last week Los Angeles And one of the listeners let them know that we talked about them and was like, hey, Los Angeles girls, Joy and Claire, we're talking about you on their podcast. And Kirby from that show emailed us. So cute. It was like, oh my gosh, you guys mentioned us. Like we're a newish podcast. We'd love to collaborate. And I was just like, this is amazing. I love how podcasts really bring people together. So I just have to give that great update because I was like, I love your show. I love products. I love California. Can I come live with you? So that's really exciting. So TBD on how we will collab, but I'm very excited about that. Um, And here's one of the sins I have to confess because I got into this um, podcast and I know it's a show on MTV and I probably wouldn't be watching this, but I'm listening to the um, audio version of Catfished and it is unbelievable the amount of people that are like pretending to be other people on the internet and develop, develop relationships for like five years. What? I'm not kidding. And these people will be like, yeah, I just like, you know, he just never like wanted to talk on the phone. For five (laughs) years? Yes. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, whatever happens. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a part of me in my heart where I'm like, these people are just so vulnerable or maybe they have low yeah. self-esteem. So they just like, so my heart goes out to them. I'm not like making fun of them, but I, at the there's a point where I'm like, some of these stories are just unbelievable. So um, if you want to just kind of zone out. I blame the other crazy... people in their lives. I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming their best friend who's not like, girl, you <laughs> haven't even spoken to him in real life in four years. What are you still doing talking to him? For sure. Get her best where friend on the, the best, phone. Where, where is that best friend who's like, dump him ASAP? Where's the best friend who's like, You've never met the don't guy. you just think you should FaceTime him one time? Don't just you feel once. this isn't a red flag? I mean, one of the you, ways you that they catch- You can talk to prisoners on the phone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. One of the ways that they catch, or not catch, but they find out someone is you know being catfished mm-hmm. is that they'll take the profile picture that the person used as their profile picture. Right. And like search and it on Google. Uh, search it on, you know, to see if it's just like a stock photo or if it's yeah. just like the first image. So like one- Catfish was about this teenage couple or whatever. And he was like, I'm going to search hot teenage boy abs. He's like, I'm really embarrassed that I just said that. He's like, that's never something I'm going to be going to Google. But he's like, the first photo that came up was the photo of the like the catfish dude. It's just a world that I'm just like amazed. Sounds very you. That, that, and, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I dodged a bullet because I... <laughs> I don't think I've ever told you the story. When I was in high school was like when the internet, not the internet, but like email, the internet was like starting to come out. And so right at like 1996 is when I started college. And I think the internet was like the end of that year when it was really kind of booming or at least starting. And AOL instant message was the thing. Oh, yeah. And so I was talking to people on the internet. And this is like kind of before, I think, at least for my situation, thank God, that people didn't really know or weren't savvy enough to figure out how to do people online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met some people. Oh, it's such a weird story. But I met this guy in a chat room. We became like really good friends with Spend hours on the phone. I went to visit him. I flew out to see him, like stayed with him wow. at, where he lived at like his co- and his like a house on the yeah. campus. And my parents just let me do it. There's part of me that's like, how on earth did they? But th- back in the day, like there weren't, there wasn't enough information to be like, this is this bad choice. Right. It wasn't like you're going to end up in a ditch. But there's a part of me that's like, I could have. Yeah, you totally I mean, we could've. spent hours and hours and hours on the phone. And oh, here's the other thing, I guess, that makes it kind of legit was because that's how I met my best friends in college was because he's like, oh, my best friends go to ASU. You should hang out with them. So I like ended up so hanging like, out with them. So you knew someone who knew he was a real person. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so that's then they're like, legit. yeah, he's he's awesome. And I became best friends with these guys, ended up being my roommates my senior year, and was the boyfriend that got away. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The one who like you were dating while you were living with him already because you're roommates yes. and you like kind of quasi hit it from your other roommates. Totally, totally. totally. Oh my goodness. So I miss being young. It's you know, so right? funny. It's so funny. I could have been catfish, but I was way before that was a thing. All right. What else do we have? Are we done? Is this it? <laughs> Did we give you enough coping skills? Validations. And if you need to hear it, man, I don't know anyone else who's having as hard of a day as you. It's okay to be yeah. just miserable today. The worst you day. To you're having the worst day and you win. Like that's the you worst. You win. Or if you need to hear this, you're doing awesome. No one is as good as you at all the things you've done today. All the things you've done. Your hair looks amazing. Amazing. Your you teeth smell look so like white. Oprah. And I'm just amazed by you're how glowing. amazing you are, despite 
all the other stuff you have going on. Yeah, you're just glowing. You're really glowing. Glowing and smelling like Oprah. And if guys, I, I have a small request. If you have any questions or I don't know, want like some tips or where to go for help with couples, please let me know. Because I'm really happy to point you in the direction too. If you not not just for individual counseling, but if you need some resources for Joy Parrish, couples. real life therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love couples counseling. It's so fun. Like I shouldn't say fun because that's not. Like, fun. But it, I, it's, it's it's like it, I love. You know doing what? It. The fact I that you just talked it. about how much you love catfished, and now we're talking about how fun couples counseling is. Red flag to me. <laughs> Don't trust this counselor. Don't trust her. She, she wants is to watch not, you flail. Yeah. Oh, no, not credible. Kidding. Not credible. All right, guys. All right. Have a great week. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.